I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Rebecca Bastian, VP of Community and Culture of Zillow Group, CEO of OwnTrail.com, and author of Blaze Your Own Trail, an interactive guide to navigating life with confidence, solidarity, and compassion. Millennial women are under pressure, pressure to make the right decisions, to blaze wildly successful yet meaningful careers, and to change the world, all before hitting 40 while effortlessly balancing work bosses, kids, spouses, personal relationships, and aging parents. It's no wonder that millennial women are flat out stressed out. A whopping 86% report being stressed multiple times a week. Over 75% battle sleepless nights and 64% feel like imposters in their jobs. Is there an out? Through compelling mix and match real world stories, storylines, and provocative data points, Rebecca Bastian inspires women to embrace the fact that there's no one perfect linear path, just your own. She's been featured in Medium, HuffPost, Thrive Global, and is a regular contributor to Forbes. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Today we have an added stressor, which is uh, COVID-19. So added to all the things that I just mentioned, those that's even more pressure, obviously not just for millennials and Gen Zs, but for all of us. So given that, uh, what I guess the first question is, what inspired you to write your book at this time? I mean, that was a lot of stress that you're describing that millennials, uh, women suffer from. Um, and I guess I'm going to add one more point because I had somebody on the show a couple of weeks ago and she described some of those same issues that Gen X's have too. What would be the difference between the millennials and the Gen X's? Or is yeah, there? Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of shared themes there. Um, and, and really the book isn't just targeted at millennials either. It really spans a pretty wide range of um, well, as women, but it could also be for anybody. I've, I've heard some really interesting feedback from men on it as well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it starts off in the life of a woman who's just getting out of college, but kind of follows her into her 40s. Um, but going back to the question of why, um, you know, I have spent years through, through, you know, different leadership roles and mentorship roles and, of course, friendships. Um, hearing from probably hundreds of different women, and there's some really interesting themes that um, that have emerged for me. Um, and a big one is that women often tend to worry about their path through life. They worry about where they're going, how they're going to get there, are they going to get it right? And um, through all these different conversations I've had, I just I, I see that level of stress and concern. And a big goal for Blaze Your Own Trail was to really embrace the idea that there is no one right path. There's a lot of different ways to get where we think we might be going, but there's a lot of different places we could be going that we don't even predict to begin yeah, with. I, and, you did. And you nailed but, it. You, I, you did nail yeah. it with that with your book. Uh, and I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to give away some of the surprises, but I, I, I think that the point that you just made, linear, it, w- women do get hooked into that. I'm going to graduate from college. I'm going to work at a job for, you know, five years. I'll travel with my boyfriend. I'll get married. I'll have so many kids. And they, get stuck in that mindset, which is mm-hmm. some, yeah. And a lot of stuff happens along the way that you have different choices. It's all about choices. So talk exactly, to us. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so the, the the kind of the experiential format of the book, which is that you, the reader, are the one going through the the experience in the book, and you make a choice at the end of each chapter, and that decision tells you what chapter to go to next. And so there's a ton of different paths through the book. There's 19 different endings. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what happens isn't something you would have predicted based on the choice you just made. And a lot of it's hard, but also you make it through and you're okay. And I think that trusting in ourselves to, to make it through, even when things are unexpected or difficult, is a big part of what will give us the bravery to, to make the hard decision. You've, you've talked to hundreds of women, as you just said, and obviously that was a motiva- one of the motivations, I assume, for writing the book. How do you, why mm-hmm. do you think women get hooked into that feeling that they have to have these they have to have to have a linear path to success and not just in success in one area, but in all the areas that I just mentioned. And of course that doesn't happen. It, it never happens and it never happens in the way you think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I think a big part of the problem is that when we look around us, what we see, you know, minus, you know, the, the really authentic and close relationships that we're lucky to have when we have them, what we see in the media and, and different platforms and social media is a lot of really picture-perfect end results. And what we don't see is the, the bumps in the road that lead to those results or even what those results truly look like, you know, in, in, with complete authenticity. And so I think that can be misleading, which I guess could be boiled down to society tells us we're supposed to be, you know, reaching these milestones at these times in this order. Um, and, and I think part of what, what the problem is there too is that we, we often don't share with each other the, the more difficult pieces because a lot of them are considered taboo or we feel embarrassed by them. And so what ends up happening is we feel really alone in a lot of situations. We feel like we're the only ones going through it and don't realize that these are actually really common experiences. And so part of the approach in the book is weaving a lot of data into it as well. And with that data and storytelling, I'm, I'm trying to shed light on the fact that no, you're not alone in these experiences. So many other women go through them too and create that sense of solidarity from knowing that. So your book can be a taking off point for women to read and then discuss and discuss what you just described as taboo topics. What are the, Mm -hmm. what are, what surrounds the taboo topics? What are they? Let's list them. Why can't we talk (laughs) about them? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, right? There's, um, there's kind of health topics like, mental health or infertility or, um, you know, invisible or even sometimes visible disabilities. Um, There's kind of um, things that happen to us like workplace harassment or abusive relationships. There's infidelity. There's grieving. There's um, just the feeling of being overwhelmed by um, by all of the responsibilities that we have in our lives. So those are the things that oftentimes don't, don't get shared and so can feel really, really isolating. You, you talk about endings as happily ever after, or you talk mm-hmm. before, I guess, to all of the endings as happily ever after. Why is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's, um, you know they're, they're certainly not fairy tale endings, and they all have their own kind of bittersweet element to them. Um, but it's, it's kind of happily ever after because you're okay. You realize that you're okay regardless of, of where you end up. And, um, I, 
you, I'm sure you're familiar with the, this concept in cognitive behavioral therapy where you kind of imagine the worst possible case scenario and realize that, that you're going to be okay at the end of that. And it's kind of an exercise in that, you know. So I like to think of it as, as happily ever after, you know, with all of the, the bumps and bruises. You use or you choose your own journey, that format. Mm-hmm. Why'd you do that? I mean, honestly, the idea for for the format and for, for this book overall just came to me in the middle of the night. <laughs> I woke up and it was in my head and I just felt extremely compelled to write it. So I can't take conscious credit for crafting that format. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I definitely... I have a product management background myself and I very much think in decision trees and I'm always evaluating the, the different paths that could lead from a given situation. And so um, I think it, it's definitely a format that fits well with the way I think. So were you having one of those 75% of uh, millennials battle sleepless nights? You were having one of those <laughs> nights and all of a sudden, wow, I've got this book, I'm going to write it and that's it. What, uh, compare yourself to your own mother and her circumstances. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I think that may be a good contrast. Okay. Just, um, well, <laughs> in terms of choices or what she felt, I mean, cause you are talking, um, this book is for everyone. I, I agree. I mean, uh-huh. but still it, there is a somewhat of a focus on younger women or millennial women. Um, but not necessarily. So if you were talking about, um, well, baby boomers, is, mm-hmm. is there a difference? Yeah, is there a difference in terms of how they see their life choices and what they can learn from your book? Well, my mother was a very free spirited hippie in her day, so I don't there think we she go. felt quite <laughs> as, as confined by <laughs> a lot of choices as some others from her generation might have. Um, and and she's an artist and has has taken a very kind of artistic path through life. Um, but you know, I think. Like, for example, my, my book club, which is all women, you know, largely in their 40s, I use them as my beta readers for the book. And we ended up having one of the most lively discussions we've ever had in our book club, kind of thinking back on the decisions we've made. So I think there's, there's an interesting way of viewing it both from looking forward to what might happen in front of you and kind of looking back and reflecting on the decisions you have made and how they might have been different and everything in between. So I think um, kind of different perspectives there. But I think, you know, your question to the baby boomers is, like, did women feel as many choices a generation ago as they do now in terms of what what they can do? Um, You know, for some, maybe not. But I would say that a lot of the underlying themes of what we experience in our lives are actually, you know, are, are age old and, um, and how they're, there's obviously ways that they're framed and the choices that we're able to make around them are different. So for example, workplace harassment, like, um, things that we, we can speak up about now, you know, not always effectively, but hopefully more so, um, are things that would have just kind of been brushed under the table or, or taken as this is how it is, um, a generation ago. So some of those things certainly change. Yeah, some of those have changed, but as you say, a lot of them, sexism and career changes, marriage, raising children, those are all the things that we wrestle with, whatever generation women are from. I, I make, and and I, you also mentioned, I guess, existential crises. Uh, so we, we're all we're confronted with them. Uh, you, know, you say you have this women's group, which is a, a book club. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how do you choose your books? Um, whoever, whoever's <laughs> going to host the next month gets to pick the book. 
<laughs> but but we tend to have pretty aligned taste, so so that's good. And it's and it's very um, varying. It varying in the types of book. I only ask you this because I yeah. wondered what types of books that each one of you choose. I don't know how many women are in the group because I was just talking to someone who was a baby boomer. Actually, a couple different books, and one of the things that. Which really struck me. This was a baby boomer group. Don't have anything that's too. Um, it's going to cause too much controversy. We don't want any. Which I I was really mm-hmm. wow. Uh, we just want books that are fun or books that we can, you know, not have to wrestle with maybe the issues that we've just been talking about. Um, big difference, and because that's you, yeah, yeah, and and you're saying just yeah. I guess we yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I think we're yeah. the opposite of that, where we like books yeah. that are going to be really good conversation pieces. And um, and we're, you know, I think largely a group of friends, first and foremost, who do this book club together. So it's a little different where we feel pretty comfortable getting getting into kind of heated discussions. What about your book? I assume that you've, you had, you, I mean, that that was a book that you discussed. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was saying, that it was one of the best discussions we've had because it was so fun to be able to look back. I mean, it's, the discussion ends up being a very personal discussion, which which I love because you end up reflecting on your own decisions in life or, you know, imagining how you would handle this. And, um, and it's, you know, because the, the main character in the book is you, the reader, it, it feels personal as you're discussing the different decision points. And so I think it's, I think it's a really fun book club book. Why do we get stuck? Why do we get stuck? Why do we think we don't have choices? Uh, I mean, I have, I don't do uh, therapy. Um, You know, I don't see people in counseling now, but when I did, that was one of the main themes, which is the theme of your book. People feel they don't Mm -hmm. have choices. There's some reason why we feel that we don't have choices and there's only one path to take and that Mm -hmm. we have to live with it. So that's a question that is, I think, continually being asked but and I under, and uh, yeah yeah it, it, I think it's a combination of both the, the pressures we might feel from others around you know the, the judgments that we might feel over the choices we could make which I think then leads to the bigger um, answer which is we always have choices but some of the choices are scary right and um, it can be scary because we're afraid others will judge us or be unsupportive it can be scary because we're afraid of failure. Um, it can be scary because it takes us out of our comfort zone. And oftentimes when we look at, you know, what in reality are choices and instead of looking at them as all the different choices and maybe even, um, you know, passing a value judgment on which ones are the scariest because it's good to name that fear sometimes, um, you know, we'll, we'll see it and say, I don't have a choice. And so I think reframing it as there's a lot of choices and some of them are more scary and then kind of, you know, thinking through, Sometimes the best things in life do come from the scary decisions and, and how do we kind of push ourselves into those with, with obviously the right level of self-protection and, and calculations. Yeah, I think, uh, are we talking about risk when making choices? When you say some of the scariest choices we make, we, get, we, we learn from the most, we get the most out of it, but it has to do with taking a risk. And yes, exactly. being fearful, yeah. it doesn't. And being fearful of taking that risk, and some things are riskier than others. Um, uh, which, of course, you cover a lot of these risk-taking choices in the book. Um, what was the diffi- most difficult thing about? How long did it take you to write this? Only about five months, which wasn't too long. Um, you know, I think it was partially because 
the idea was really there in my head. I, I felt compelled to get it out. And I set goals for myself around writing a little bit every day. And I think that kept it really moving. Do you have kids? I do. I have two kids, actually. Um, I, <laughs> I know <it's> <laughs> two story, children. But I, yeah. What's that? I, oh, said two, I wrote yeah. the first draft of the book um, on my phone while putting my younger kid to sleep. <laughs> so this is, this is working around constraints right here. But he was five at the time. He's six now. And he was going through a phase where he would refuse to go to sleep at night if I wasn't sitting in a chair in the corner of his room. Like he would just, if I got up, he would get up. <laughs> and so <laughs> I ended up downloading an app on my phone that would sync with my computer that was, you know, intended to write books with. And I would just sit there in the corner of his room every night working on my book. And that's how I got through the whole first draft of it. I love that story. So he went to sleep, I'm assuming, or he felt comfortable and at ease because you mm-hmm. were in the room and you could sit and yeah. write your book. Yeah, multitasking. That's what multitasking. moms do very well. How do you get in? <laughs> yeah, focusing, though, that's so difficult. I mean, I think that isn't that one of the most – first of all, you have to be creative. You're creative. So you figured out instead of fighting it, you were going to – not fight it, but figure out in the context of putting him to sleep, having to stay in the room, what you were going to do, downloading the app. Uh, is it? Diff- but it's, uh, for some women, it's very difficult to focus on and 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 to be able to do the what you did, for instance, and having two children and you know all the constraints. Um, a five-year-old and how old is your was your other one? He was seven at the time. He's he's eight seven. Now. Okay, so. Uh, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and you wrote a book in five months. <laughs> and I, I'm assuming, yeah, having read the book, there are other constraints as well. So how, let's take step-by-step, step, take us through it. How did you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think a big piece of it, too, is that for me, writing is a creative outlet, mm-hmm. and I need creative outlets. So it actually isn't feeling like another thing on my to-do list that I have to do, but it's actually, it's almost, like a self-care thing for me <laughs> to be able to, to write or do art or aerial acrobatics or one of these, these creative outlets that I really value in my life. But um, in terms of step-by-step, so, you know, I mentioned that I was, I was making myself write a little bit every day, largely when Arlo was falling asleep. And so I set a goal for just writing 300 words a day, which is not very much. And so some days when I wasn't feeling it, I would just stop at 300 and that was fine. But you know, more days than that, I would feel really inspired while writing. It would just be flowing out of me and I'd get to maybe thousands of words. Um, and so that's, and I was doing a lot of research intertwined with that and updating the decision tree of the book as I went. Um, and when I got close to finishing my first draft is when I um, put together a proposal. I Googled, how do you write a book proposal? <laughs> because this is my first book and, um, and started shopping it around. And was faced by a ton of rejection at first, as I like to name that because I think for, well, for people doing any kind of creative endeavor or, or otherwise, we get faced by rejection a lot. And I think we hear, oftentimes hear just the, the, the positive success stories. And so it's important to know how much rejection you have to plow through as well. I think that's really important. People do want to hear that because they, you know, hear how successful you are in the context of all that you do. And it's like, I can't do that. I mean, she's special. This doesn't really apply to me, but rejection, rejection. And then you still had choices even after all, of, you know, as you continue to get rejections, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I ended up, um, it turns out I'd been reaching out to a ton of literary agents, um, but it turns out I ended up 
through, um, well, I, I actually posted something on LinkedIn that said, I'm working on a book, and um, does anyone have contacts that, to help me get it published? And someone who I had, didn't actually know, but that I was connected to on LinkedIn, reached out and ended up talking with me about his book publishing process. And after I told him about what I was working on, he actually said, well, you know, I, I actually think my editor would be really interested in this. So I ended up getting connected directly to an editor at Barrett Kohler Publishers. Her name's Anna Leinberger, and she's phenomenal. And um, and so she really got it and um, and pitched it to to Barrett Kohler, and ended up getting helping me get the contract for that, and then working on the book with me. And and that was a really positive experience. What about support besides? And I'm assuming the women in your group. Uh, who <laughs> other kinds of support that you had? To, to go ahead to, you know, once you got rejected or, or how, yeah. writing the book. Yeah. Where did your supports come from? Who are they? Uh, well, my, my husband, Shane, has been, you know, a huge um, support and kind of cheerleader as I have gone through this process. So he's always kind of my, my biggest person to fall back on. Um, really strong group of friends. And, um, you know, actually Zillow, which, so for context, I've been working at Zillow for, almost 15 years now and have recently announced that I'm leaving in order to co-found this company, Own Trail, which really stemmed from the book. But um, in terms of support, Zillow actually showed a huge amount of support in encouraging me to write the book and um, they've been supporting kind of the, the book promotion process now, even knowing that I'm leaving the company, they've been really supportive of it. And, um, and specifically my team and my manager there have, has been a huge support system for me. So I really appreciate that too. Well, that says a lot about Zillow that, 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 um, in a really positive way. That's great. Own trail. So own trail, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's done from a lot of the ideas behind the book and, um, problems we're trying to solve there, but realizing that the different pathways and decisions in the book are obviously a very finite subset of the experiences that women actually go through in their lives. And so Own Trail is building out a collection of women's life paths, realizing that there's, there's, something, there's something that women need that is often shorthanded as I need a mentor, but is kind of more complex than that. And there's something that women want to give to those coming up behind them that is often shorthanded as I want to provide mentorship, but also recognizing that one-on-one mentorship is only serving about 25% of the women that want it. And so we're really reframing that to be a self-guided mentorship platform that is built off of this collection of women's life paths. So women can share what their trail has been through life as a series of interconnected milestones. And we call this a microactive mentorship because it doesn't take a lot of time. It's, It's easy and fun to do. And then it can reach so many women and what we're, what we're going to be doing with those paths, right now we just launched, so right now you can just kind of browse through them one by one, but we're going to be combining them all together to create almost this neural network of life paths so that you can understand, like, this is something I aspire to. Here's all the different paths that have led there. And maybe I want to look at that just from women who share my same identities or my, the same experiences I've been through and be able to see that and really visualize that there's more than one way to get to this place and to really see the authentic um, experiences, both personal and professional, that have led to these points, um, or to help me navigate something I'm going through right now and understanding all the different ways that women have navigated that. So it's really it's taking that, that 
um, kind of confidence and solidarity to the next level in this really um, engaging web-based platform. That's a brilliant idea. Is this something unique? Has anybody done this before? Is or is this a brand new no, idea? This is brand new. Yeah, it's um, we're. This is. I think you know. There's been technology that drives mentorship, but it's really trying to stay within the confines of like setting up people for one-on-one mentorship. So this is the first um, platform that that we're aware of that um, really is using data and technology to create a many-to-many mentorship model. And so, are, do is is um, can we go to it now? OwnTrail.com. Yeah. Is it? Yep. OwnTrail.com. Yeah, we have. Um, as of today, we have about 150 trails on there that are amazing, and we just launched um, less than three weeks ago. So it's it's really cool traction so far. And reading through what women are sharing is extremely inspiring. And um, and any you know any of your listeners who are women or gender non-binary can go share their trails, which you know I would love for them to do that. And this is just the beginning. So we have a really strong vision for how we're building this out in a way that, that really empowers women in, in a new kind of paradigm of, of what that looks like. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited about it. And that's why I'm leaving a job that I love to go build this company. I mean, this, this is a, all I can say, all inclusive. It, it includes all of us. I mean, all, women, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, and global, it's great. It, it's just such a great idea. Uh, so, it's it's a here you made a risk a choice right leaving Zillow yeah. to do this that's a good example yeah. isn't it of making that kind of a choice I'm assuming absolutely. you were absolutely yeah it's, it, it's it's definitely choosing the riskier path and it's also really following my passions and you know and assessing the risks and deciding that this is worth it worst case scenario right kind of going through that thought process worst case scenario you can go get another corporate job but. I will never have the chance again to to build out this specific platform that I feel called to be building. So it's it's an exciting choice. And why do you say you'll never have another chance again? I mean, the timing. I mean, they say time, timing is everything, but the timing is now for doing this, <laughs> right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I guess that that might have been a dramatic overstatement. I I will have plenty of chances in the future to build other companies, but this specifically in the way that we're launching it in conjunction with the book and. Really, honestly, that I think it's almost surprising and an amazing opportunity that something like this hasn't been built yet. There's this huge green pasture around, you know, there's, there's different platforms that support women in their lives, but there's nothing that's really taken this really data-driven approach to scaling out what mentorship can look like. And I think if we didn't do it right now, someone else might, might think of it because the reception we're seeing so far has been so positive and we're hearing from so many women how, how needed they feel this is that... Um, I think it's just a matter of time, and I really want to be the one to do it. Well, you are doing it. Exciting book, but also really a a whole new exciting concept. I'll be on owntrail.com myself. So any other, I mean, that's the website to go to. And uh, any other websites, because we only have a couple minutes left that we can go to for more information and say about your book, about anything else that you're doing. Yeah, owntrail.com is is the site because there you'll find in that the navigation there there is a page for um, finding out more about the book and ordering the book, um, and there's more information about me and I'm I and Owntrail are very findable on all the different social media platforms. So um, I welcome your listeners to connect with with me and follow Owntrail um, everywhere that that you are. And I, I would definitely love to see your trail and the trails of a lot of your listeners on there. 
Fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the show, Rebecca. Rebecca Bastian, author. Yes, Blaze Your Own Trail. Thank you so much. Great, great information. And I'll see you on OwnTrail.com, I guess. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 